good morning. We are glad that you are here worshiping with us today. My name is Andrea Smith. I am the pastor here at West. And if you're worshiping with us online this morning, we extend a very special welcome to you. Today is going to be different than our normal Sundays. And since you are here at 10 o'clock, guess what? You're going to actually know what is going on. Hopefully you got a handout and a pen as you arrived this morning. Did y'all get a handout and a pen? All right, very good. Um, We're going to turn the lights up a little so you can actually see to fill out the piece of paper. But there's a point to this. This is not just some random crazy idea that I had this week. And you'll see what the point is in a few minutes as we start to go through the message. But uh, you are going to see every different component of the worship service on that piece of paper. And then you're going to see a little grid on the right And you will see the different ways uh, that you can give your feedback engaged. Um, And, of course, I didn't think through having a copy of the paper. That would have been one of those details that Andrea just misses. Ramona is going to bring me one. Thank you, Ramona. I'm very grateful. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that's it. Um, And if you're worshiping online, you can go to our website this morning and download this or fill it out online. So uh, I want your age. I don't want your name. Okay. So you do not have to reveal deep, dark secrets about yourself. But I do want your age. And then I want to know how long have you been a part of any kind of church, like engaged in the church. And if this is your first time in a faith community, it is okay to put zero. It is okay to uh, not have been a part of a church any amount of time. And then here are your your criteria. Uh, Five, if you give it a five, it means it's a wow. Four means you're engaged. Three means neutral. You can take it or leave it. A two is disengaged. And a one is, please never do that again. Now, here's the criteria. You're not judging how well we do this. So you're not going to, like, grade the band and the vocals. Wow, they did a really good job on that. Worship, when we come together into a place and a time of worship, we are supposed to be um, coming to engage with God. That's the point of what we do here. So, I invite you to let us know how do all these parts and pieces that we do today help you encounter God? Basically, I want to know, how do you find God, experience God, when you are in this place? And the way that you'll let me know is you'll look at all the parts and pieces. Rise for worship, responsive reading, the two songs we're going to do, the Apostles' Creed, Then you're going to sit down. I don't know if that helps you engage with God or not, but you can say it does. Prayers of the people. This is Amazing Grace, another song. The message, and then the closing song. If we're a people that follow God, the way that we do that is by engaging with God. My job is to help you do that. And I want to know. I want you to tell me. So that's what today is about. Now, the other parts and pieces that you're going to experience today are not typical West pieces. That's intentional as well. I keep hearing from people, I would go to church if. I would go to West if. I would go to West if it didn't meet in a high school. As you know, 
there are lots of United Methodist churches around here, many who are dying. And there's been a couple of other pastors that have uh, spoken with me about this. So we have some options. Not that we will move this because we won't. That's not part of this. But at some point, we need to have another worship service alternative. We need to multiply. It's time for West to multiply. We need to have another worship service, period. There are churches that are empty right now. There's 10 people, 20 people, and that's high attendance Sunday. And they're located within our demographics. And they're willing to let us worship there at a certain time or place and way. I want to know what will help people encounter God. Is it stained glass? If it is, I want you to put that down here because you might be interested in worship in a different space or you may have friends that don't go to church that are. So really, I want your honest feedback. You get to be a part of casting the next chapter and the next part of the vision for West. Hear me again. We're not leaving here. But there are people, last Sunday was one that said, I would love to go to church, but I just can't get past the fact that it's in a high school. And so they go nowhere. And I believe we have an opportunity to offer people the vision and the DNA of West. the whole thing we just we just needed just part of it it's it's all good I asked Matt I said Matt will you lead them in the Apostles Creed he said yeah he goes like it's going to be on the screen right he said remember I came from a, a Baptist up you know background prior to this so uh it's all good today you're welcome it's no problem uh today is different if you've noticed we don't normally stand up and do the apostles creed uh we don't normally have responsive readings when we started west we were very intentional about all the parts and pieces that went together to make right now this hour or sometimes hour and five minutes uh, and a time that you can experience god you know, that's what worship is, a time where you encounter the presence of God. And so uh, this morning, we are really all in the middle of our message series, uh, Who is West? What is West? We're looking at our core values and, and why we are what we are and how we model ourselves in ministry. You see a trailer up here that has the core values on it. You'll find them on our website. And so today and next Sunday is really like a two-part, two-parter. Today's part A and the next week's part B. Uh, fun and infinitely changing are the last two of our core values we believe that following Jesus ought to be fun. And then if we want to stay relevant to 21st century or 22nd century learners, you know, anybody born after the year 2000 will end up living into the 22nd century. Probably statistics favor that. 
Uh, if we're going to be relevant, if you guys are going to be relevant long after I'm not the pastor anymore, we're going to have to be ever-changing. So that is one of our core values. So today, I want to know what you think. And you don't get a lot of opportunity to give your feedback. So uh, you got a handout. We're a paperless church 99% of the time unless we really want info from you or want you to be a part of something different and in a new way. So today you got a handout as you came in. It has little boxes for you to give your feedback. Now, if you were here at 10 o'clock when I came out and made the initial announcement, which was probably about a third of us, and that's okay. It doesn't, I won't say it doesn't matter because the worship team doesn't like it when I do that, but uh, we're non-threatening, so we want you to come whenever you feel uh, so led. So, uh, but there are little zero, one, two, three, four, five, and I don't want you to rate how good we do. What I want you to share is in all of these parts and pieces, where do you encounter God? Where do you experience the presence of of a living God? And what does that mean? Well, you see, God is energy. God is love. God is I am. In the Old Testament, this guy named Moses felt like he had been called by God to lead people to encounter God. He was uh, out in the wilderness, and there was this bush, and this bush was a fire, and it didn't, it wasn't consumed. And so he encounters this bush, and he hears the voice of God speak to him. And God tells him, I want you to lead my people out of captivity, out of slavery. And, and so back then, they were polytheistic. They believed in lots of different gods. And so he says, okay, well, who, who is asking this of me? And he hears the voice of God reply by saying, I am that I am. That's translated in the Hebrew scripture is the word Yahweh. Except you have to take out the vowels. You have to take out the A and you have to take out the E at the end because the Hebrew alphabet does not have vowels. And I would try to say it, but um, it's not impressive at all. But Yahweh was the name of God. The God. The divine energy and love that uh, is present. The divine essence of God, like Paul Tillich, the existentialist theologian, said in the 20th century, God is our grounding in the divine presence and the divine energy. I am that I am. Well, that was present for a couple of thousand years, and the people followed that I am. They followed the light. They followed the, the way. They followed leaders that God would put in their presence. And then uh, they, would, they would leave that path and go astray. 
they would start following other things and other people and other ways. And so then God revealed God's self again uh, in, a, in a different way, in a new way, through the person of Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. We celebrate his birth at Christmas time. And he said, I am the way. Now, today, for the next few minutes, we're going to talk about what Jesus said, all his I am statements. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about what does it mean when he says, I am the way, the truth, life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Because you see, we've misunderstood that last part. No one comes to the Father but through me. So next week, that's what we're looking at. But this morning, we're going to talk about I am. Why? What does this have to do with anything? And, and what does that have to do with fun? As you know, West started so that maybe people would have a shot at falling in love with Jesus, with falling in love with the Christ. We do things differently here. Sometimes we do have wild and crazy things that happen in worship. Our greeters do different things, and there's an element, I hope, always, of just being a non-threatening way for you to encounter the energy and the presence of the divine. That's why we do everything that we do. And, and so we don't look like a church. We don't act like a church. And I've always thought that was a good thing. Because you see, there are people that I see that come into these doors and these walls and they tell me that they've never in, encountered God before. They've never gone to church and that West helps them do, do that and find that. And that's when I remember that what we do matters. Because you see, I believe if we've already fallen in love with Jesus, it changes us. And sometimes we choose not to follow that path or that way, but, but there's something different inside. And so we've already got that something there are so many that don't, and they do exist, and they're here, and they're just waiting on somebody to care, not judge. They'd like for somebody to offer them Christ, but not the person of Jesus Christ, like where you go when you say, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you do, then you will not go to hell anymore. You will go to heaven. That's not the Jesus that they're looking for. They're looking for the I am the way. And I think it's up to us to offer that way. A few weeks ago, you know that I had the opportunity and the privilege to go to Ohio it was an invitation that was extended by the General Board of Discipleship in United Methodism, and we are a United Methodist Church, proud to be one. You have preachers, then you have district superintendents. They're over the preachers. 
Then you have a bishop. Bishops are over like areas. And then you have a bunch of bishops all over the world, and, and there's a general council of bishops. And they all get together and make decisions. And then so you have this one arm of all the people over here that lead and guide and cast vision for the denomination. But then over here you have this other hierarchy, this other part of the institution. And these people are called the general board. And there's lots of different parts and pieces. So when Leslie answered the West phone and said, you know, Andrea, you have a call from the General Board of Discipleship, honestly, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. They have watched some of the worship or heard something about West, and I have broken some rules. Because you see, there are rules that you're not supposed to break. They're in this thing called the Book of Discipline. I have one, which is a positive, and uh, I know what it says, basically, in general. But sometimes we as United Methodists treat that more like the Bible than the actual Bible. And so you see, somehow over time, we've lost the way. I really thought they were calling to fuss at me about communion and encouraging the people that worship with us online to take communion because that's a deal breaker for many. And uh, I was shocked when I called back and they said, well, we've been watching you preach and we've been studying West. We heard about you from someone that came to North Carolina to interview for one of your positions and we'd like to invite you to be on a panel We're having a worship symposium and we're trying to look at what worship needs to be so that people can encounter God and we can maybe help a dying denomination. We'd like for you to be a part of the panel. That was, I mean, that was just like the highest compliment. It was like the coolest thing ever. I'm like, wow, thank you so much. You want, you like want to listen to me? And then I thought, well, maybe they had the wrong number. And I thought... They couldn't have watched that much. Last year we had a time machine, and I'm thinking probably many churches don't have time machines or dress up like zombies or, you know, have a rubber chicken on the stage. You know, maybe they have the wrong number. So I sent her an email. I said, I just want to make sure that you do know, like, West United Methodist, Mooresville, North Carolina. And she says, yeah, we know. We really wanted you to come. So I was excited and then nervous. And the closer it came to time, the more my stomach hurt. Because, you see, they sent out the list of the other 20 people, and five were pastors, uh, about 10 were uh, seminary leaders or denominational leaders, and then the other five were worship arts people from all over the U.S. There were people from Texas and Illinois and and Missouri. It It was an amazing two days, three days. The first night we were there, before the symposium itself started, I went out to dinner with people I'd never met before, a professor from Candler and then some other worship arts leaders, and uh, it was just amazing. I made some new friends. Later that evening, when we got back to the hotel, one of the denominational people was there, and I recognized his name. And I recognized his name because my mentor looked over the stuff before I left and said, I just want to warn you. I know you well enough to know that you get intimidated in rooms of academics. And don't let so-and-so intimidate you. 
He's a very kind person, but he's a brilliant theologian. And so he's going to do things like say in 511, you know, CE, so-and-so did such-and-such. My mentor knows me well, knows that those things send me right on over the edge. I can't remember what I did last week, much 11, 511 CE, much less 511 CE. That night, as we got back from dinner, this gentleman was in the lobby of the hotel, and he introduced himself, and I introduced myself. I had read my uh, bio again after I read all theirs, and I sounded like a third grader. (laughs) You're laughing. I'm really not. I mean, I was like, well, well, I didn't say well. I said, it's been quite a path to follow Jesus and the call on my life. And... uh, It wasn't, you know, quoting Augustine or any of those other big guys. I did quote John Wesley. I thought that would be impressive. He's the father of Methodism. I'm not sure it was impressive. I sat there with that gentleman, the brilliant guy, and he just asked questions. And it made my soul come alive. Because you see, I believe in what we do. I believe that what we do here, not just in this hour, but throughout the week as a body of Christ and as a movement, I believe it matters. I believe that it would be really easy in year four to become apathetic and to think, you know, the, these other things, they're just so much more important than that. They've got it. But as I had the opportunity to talk with him and retell the story and think of you, And what we can do together. I had joy. And he was very quiet and he listened. And so I wrote my mentor that night before I went to bed. We stayed up till like 1.30 in the morning talking. And I said, you're not going to believe this. The gentleman that you said would use big words and dates. And I would be intimidated. He listened to me. He asked questions and he listened to me. It's going to be a great two days. So we started worship, uh, the worship symposium the next day, and they live-streamed it all. They started the first session talking about what does it mean to worship. Well, I'd done my homework. Worship is when we come together to praise God. Okay. So they started talking about the theological definition of worship and then they ask the question what is worship and how do we help people worship well because things had gone really well in the two or three hours that I had had interaction with other people I thought well I'll tell them about wow wow is where we worship on the water literally on boats This year, we even branched out and had, like, floaties and uh, paddle boards and kayaks, and people floated while we worshipped. I would be preaching on the boat, and we had speakers set up, and then people would be out there in the water floating around. It was a little distracting because, you know, they float literally around, but I would just find somebody's eyeballs to connect with and deliver the message. So I thought I would pose that as a question. Is that worship? That probably wasn't my most stellar decision ever. Because you see, the rest of that room had no clue who I was. 
And so I start telling them about how we worship on boats, literally boats floating in the lake, not the lake shore, not on ground with our bottoms in chairs, on boats. And I like to use the phrase, you could hear crickets. And they all just looked at me and they said, you really are on boats? And I said, yeah, we're on boats. Is that worship? The last session, 48 hours later, and 16 hours of discussion later, that's how long we were engaged together in conversation, we came back to asking the question, what is worship? And how do we enable people to encounter God? And the gentleman with all the wisdom and theological doctrine packed in his very, very intelligent brain. We got to be decent friends over those two days, but we disagreed over the definition of worship. So he quoted John Wesley, and he said, Wesley said, you know, uh, I just don't think we need to worry about the sect of Methodism ever disappearing as long as we stay true to our passion and our zeal and our doctrine. And on the word doctrine, turned and looked at me. I was like, I, fe- I mean, he wasn't being ugly, but we really did disagree. And I felt that big because I know that we don't have a lot of uh, sameness here because I don't think it's really working anymore. I don't think you really want to stand up and read back to me. But you might. So I want to know. That's why you got those pieces of paper. I want to know, how do you encounter God? You must, because you're here. It's not for the free cookies. Although it might be, because they're great cookies. You're here because of some reason. And I want to know, why is it? Why bother? Because you see, within a 10-mile radius of us, not even that much, 7-mile radius of, of us, there are three United Methodist churches that never really have over 40 on a Sunday morning. Well, actually, four of them. And on Wednesday of this week, I'm going to go talk to our district superintendent. And we're going to talk about how can we partner together, not take over, not us own buildings or anything like that, but the three pastors. Because you see, we're all equally called and equally yoked or whatever. We're going to see how can we work together. Because you see, 20 people can't always make something work. And their hearts are sold out for God, but their opportunities don't seem to exist like they used to anymore. But yet you keep coming and you watch online, which that's a whole other argument that people don't agree with. But today in this world, guess what? Community exists in cyber world, not just when you reach out and you touch someone I need to know why. I need to know what makes you want to be a part of this because I believe that you have created something from nothing. 
And I believe that you are offering people Christ. So I want you to hear what he said as we get ready uh, to close today. I want you to hear what Jesus said about what matters. Because you see, I think it is this set of words right here that compelled people to keep this Jewish sect alive. If you feel like you got church light today, and I didn't deliver, you know, a, a meaningful message or anything like that, biblical exegesis, I invite you to go back online and listen to the last two weeks of messages. One was basically Church History 101, packed in 35 to 40 minutes. And then last week was the second part of Church History 101. And so today, I want to leave you with his words. I do believe that God exists. God, not a man in a big seat with a long white beard, but divine love and divine energy. I know God exists because, you see, God showed up for me about 20 minutes ago when a gentleman came to worship here today that uh, had no reason to come. And he was walking down the hallway, and I encountered him after Lori West so graciously appeared and and prayed with me because I've had a bad morning. We didn't have enough people to set up this morning. And I reached out to a family, and they said, I will be there, and and thank goodness, because we'd probably still be setting up. Don't tell me the answer is we need a building, because I know that it isn't. We just need some structure, because you guys are willing to set up. We just don't have a structure in place. We need a system. So I'll be working on that this week. So that didn't work, and then 10 other things didn't work this morning, and it was like every time I turned around, just bam, So I told the worship team, which is not very professional, I'll go on and confess that, uh, that I just didn't think probably this was the right profession for me. That maybe being employed as a greeter at Walmart or Target would be good. Because you see, it seemed like everything I touched didn't turn to gold, turned to dust. Everything I touched fell apart. And then Lori showed up and prayed. And as she said, amen, and I opened my eyes, there's a gentleman coming down the hallway. And uh, he said, I choose to come here because I think you're offering something in a different way. Don't tell me God doesn't exist. What does it mean? I think it means this. These words of Christ are recorded in the book of John right before he went uh, to be crucified. It was at the meal around the table with his best friends. And he said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Did you hear that? You know the way. Thomas, who was one of the twelve, said to him, Lord, 
we don't even know where you're going. How are we supposed to know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the way. Remember Moses? And God appeared and said, I want you to lead my people. I am that I am. And Jesus told his followers, you know the way. How do we know the way? We don't even know where you're going. You know the way. I am the way. You know, Hinduism existed back during the time of Moses and Abraham and all those people, there were world religions that existed back then. Jesus did not go through a litany of this is not right, this is not right, this is not right. Nor did Jesus ever say, I want you to study my teachings. I want you to know what I say, and then I want you to go do it. He said, I am the way. Jesus, the person, showed us the way. He didn't say, follow my teachings. He didn't say, you better sign on the dotted line. He said, I am the way. How did he live? What was the way? His way was love. The end. Period. Amen. We're called to follow. I am the way. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for being a God that showed up and showed us All we needed to know, there's no right or wrong, there's no, uh, well, there is right and wrong. It's wrong when we don't follow the way, and the way is life, and the way is love. That's really the only thing that ever comes in between us and you, is when we choose not to live and act in love. I am the way. Help us to see where you are, and then help us to live as a people of love. Amen. Somebody asked me this week, uh, why do you do what you do? And without uh, hesitation, I remembered back to when I was eight and my world turned upside down because my mom died. And I remembered how lonely that was. And then I remembered that all of a sudden, all these people just surrounded my family, and carried us and carried me through that time. And they acted in love. And all throughout my life, all the times that life deals me, blows, and I fall down, the people that are there to pick me up are not the people that I've met in school or people that I've met in other parts of life. It's been people that are a part of a faith community. And they offer me love. And they pick me back up, and I'm able to go on the way, the way that leads to life. That's why I do what I do, because I believe that we have a shot at showing people the way. And I believe it needs to look different than it has for the past 2,000 years. I believe it really needs to look different than what it has for the last 500 since the Protestant Reformation. It's a different world. 
And it's time to offer the thing that hasn't changed the way, the love, the life in ways that people understand it. Please do take some time, especially if you're uh, up here. I want to know how you encounter God in this service. Put your comments down. If you know people that would worship in a stained glass room and that would help them encounter God, please put that because we do have opportunities before us to offer other alternatives to encountering God. But the bottom line is we are called to show the way. Amen.